the first in spine, but probably the second in the country to have a solely owned ambulatory surgery center that had no partners. I did all by myself. And what prompted you to begin an ASC? That's because I became good friends with the administrator of St. Luke's Hospital and and the guy who was uh, running the clinical trials. And she was marketing me for about, oh, six, seven years and got me, you know, on TV shows and so forth. Then I, I said, how, how much are you making off of every surgery that I, that I operate on your hospital? She said around $10,000 per case. I said, hey, I do 40 a month. I, I can borrow and pay it off in less than a year. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Welcome to today's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, where I am joined by Dr. Anthony Young, retired spine surgeon who developed the Young Endoscopic Spine System, where he has lectured internationally and is currently writing a book regarding the procedure. His private practice, Desert Institute for Spine Care, DISC for short, is now run by his son and other partners. He opened one of the first ambulatory surgery centers in Arizona for spine surgery. I hope you enjoy his interview. Anthony, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your program. Well, thank you. I'm I'm grateful to have you. Um, So you are a retired spine surgeon. I am. Um, Can you please share your career path and how you came to develop the young endoscopic spine system? Well, it was by chance. I started out in chemical engineering. And I turned down a scholarship because I would tour the College of Mines and I decided, I don't want to do this. And so I gave up my scholarship and I went into liberal arts where I decided I, I like to be a physician because when I came to this country in 1949, I was actually raised by my mother and my father stayed behind in Hong Kong. And we started a gift shop called the China House. We had antique material that was like at Gump's, okay? So I worked from the age of 10 years old in my uncle's grocery store for 10 cents an hour, and I continued working throughout. And I listened to my mother to say, look, Tony, you're Chinese, but you're now American. I'm not even gonna speak Chinese to you because I want you to turn it around in one generation. So that really had an impact on me. So I became very bossy so that my sister didn't even like me (laughs) because I was so bossy. But it all turned out that I focused on what I thought I was good at, and that was in engineering, math, physics. And But all my friends were too boring. They were engineers. And I go, I'm going to do something different. So I decided, okay, I'm Chinese. Invest in property. You can't invent land anymore. And so as a result, you know, I sat there for 40 years, and now the land that I uh, invested in 
it had water rights, 100 year water supply. And now I'm selling that right now. So it's right in your area. Yeah, right? no, that's great. So when did you decide to go to medical school? Um, I was one of those people that uh, was not discriminated against because I was Asian. And every year there was one Asian person in the medical school. So happened that I was the selected one for 1965. And the guy that interviewed me was a missionary in China. And he was all fascinated by my background and wanted to know. I said, are you going to ask me any tough questions? He said, I'm on the committee. You're in. Forget it. <laughs> so, so I was lucky. But now I find that if you're Asian, you're you know, you're supposed to be. Uh, so you, you finished your re residency and how did you decide to go into spine surgery? Um, I started in uh, 1971 and I happened to be liked by my uh, program director. And I was getting ready to go to Vietnam. And I said, I can get deferment if I get accepted in residency program. It was filled. He said, I'll make one for you. So I got in in 1975, just as the Vietnam War ended. So I spent two years in the U.S. Navy with a lieutenant commander uniform, American uniform, and I was stationed in the Philippines, traveled all over Asia. And at that time, with Asian girls, I was hot stuff. And so I said, hmm, okay, not bad. So anyway, I then used what I liked and developed the young endoscopic spine system in 1998, and I opened my own ambulatory surgery center. But as luck have it, I was liked by the um, administrator of St. Luke's Hospital who marketed my skills, and it got the fellowship trained spine surgeon mad because here I was, I was just a general orthopedic surgeon, and the hospital was promoting me. So, oh, you didn't do your fellowship in spine surgery. You did your fellowship in general orthopedic surgery. Yes. Okay. Right. All right. But I decided, okay, I'll just do what I like. So basically, and I teach my grandkids, my son is a spine surgeon. My daughter's a dermatologist and my son wants sports medicine. I said, well, you know, his friends told him, if you do go, don't go into spine and follow the pathway your father led, you're crazy. Then my daughter says, you know, I like dermatology, but it's too hard to get into. I said, don't you dare take anything less. Take, take do some research and you'll get into a program. And yeah, she's absolutely. a dermatologist. Yeah, I don't so think there's enough. They're doing very well. So I, I'll die happy. And so I'm what, the last of the generation of, of my family. So what was happening in spine surgery that got you thinking about this particular system and got you to develop it? Okay. Most people will follow what the academics tell you. Follow this, follow that, learn how to do it, use this textbook. And I said, what about the people don't fit in the program? I want to treat pain. Right. And by the time I finished, I had done 11,000 cases. Nobody's going to pass me up for the next couple of years. But 11,000 cases, I, I would identify the cause of the pain with the endoscope. So you did 11,000 cases. 11,000 cases. And because I developed the young endoscopic spine system, I was advised, don't use your name because the people don't want to tell where they learned it because they, you know, people will just travel at, in Arizona or wherever. 
He said, oh, I'm on the West Coast. I can come by. And I basically, every five years, I reviewed my cases so that after about 10 years, I knew that I can guarantee my results. So when I guarantee my results, I said, look, you pay me more than insurance pays. I'll accept your insurance and I'll guarantee you if you don't get what you want, you don't have to pay. And so this system um, makes spine surgery less painful? It makes spine surgery less painful, mainly because um, I do everybody awake. So I have 11,000 surgeries that's uh, performed with a patient completely awake. They can't believe it. But I also use it in order to determine whether I should take somebody on. And sometimes I do the injection and the patient, it's all flustered and they, they can't stand even the needle stick. I said, I don't think you're a good candidate because you're gonna have to put up with a certain amount of discomfort. You have to be awake so you can talk to me when I'm operating on you. That's where I guarantee my safety. Interesting. So, um, by doing that, all of a sudden, I had people coming from all, all over the world, mostly from Asia because I'm Chinese. And so they, they wanna come learn. But if they're from the US, if they don't do it, they don't know how to indicate that they learn from me. So they just say, yeah, you know, it's experimental. And I actually, early in my career, in 1998, I had the uh, chief of neurosurgery from Mayo Clinic and uh, one of the neurosurgeons from Barrows, which is a high end. If you're from Arizona, you know them. And they, they came after me. And then I, one of them was a, a guy who was in the residency program with me. And he tried to disparage what I did. And I did set studies on my own case. So I sued him and I settled with him for $100,000. Wow. And then so the, the guy from Barrows just back down and the guy from uh, Mayo Clinic sort of apologized. He said, okay, now I know. So anyway, so now everyone is uh, talking about using endoscopic surgery to validate the cause of pain. And now I'm writing the three volume reference book on that. Uh, and, yeah, you said, yeah. And particularly with spine surgery, it typically there's not a, they're complicated and depending on the patient, it's hard to tell if it's going to be successful. Yes, that's because when you have spine, it comes from the disc first, and it could be in the cervical spine, thoracic spine, lumbar spine. I specialize in the lumbar spine. But when I operate, I also, because of my son, I turn, him, turn it over for cervical and thoracic, but I've done some. And I actually have done some of these under local anesthesia, but my specialty is really in the lumbar spine because that's the most common. So everybody's gonna have back pain, including you when you get old enough. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. Uh, so you, your son uh, practices now in, in, I guess, heads the Desert Institute for Spine Care that you used yes. to run, right. and formerly Arizona Orthopedic Surgeons. The Arizona Orthopedic Surgeon was what I developed, and I called it Arizona Institute for Minimum Invasive Spine. I changed it. But when he joined me in 2001, then he got um, the name started. And so I turned everything over to him. And so, have you always been in private practice? Yes. 
And um, so you talked about your book, you, you lecture internationally and you're writing a book on endoscopic spine surgery. Um, and so you do the endoscopic and then the, di the disc practice is known for minimally invasive spine surgery. So does that do the different parts of the spine, but still laparoscopically? Yes. Every one of them knows how to do endoscopic. But while I did 100% of mine endoscopic, they maybe do 20% or 30%. Each one has their own specialty. Like my son is in sports medicine. So he takes care of the, his consultant for the Diamondbacks, you know, the uh, Cardinals, the Suns. And they ask him to be a consultant. However, they have primary care or internists that, that screens the patient. So he, he's very busy and I'm very proud of the fact that he is well-trained, but he is so busy that some of my other uh, partners in DISC, the second one was Nima Solari, and he actually scrubbed in with Chris to operate on my own back. Wow. So I, I use myself as a guinea pig and I would tell him to stop that because you're I can feel this. I can feel it. <laughs> it was a big joke around the office. <laughs> wow. That's crazy that uh, you, you, yeah, uh... but you know, that, that in a long history and what's got me started was when I came to Arizona, my mother was American citizen. She was born in Portland, Oregon. And she went back to China brought in by her father who came as a 16 year old and went to Alaska to work. And then he became the right-hand man for this uh, uh, person in Portland, Oregon. So he was so well-liked. His boss said, I'm going to give you some property next to my house. And you build a house. I'm going to give you the property. And you go to Alaska in the summertime and work and then come back in the wintertime. Huh. And you could be my, you know, my everything. So uh, then after about 20 years or so, then the way they do that in China, that you, you come make your fortune, you move back to China and you buy a village or do something like that. And so that's when the war broke out. And that's where my mother met my father, who represented China in uh, the Olympics, the Eastern Olympics, and was a polo, a water polo player. In those days, there's no YMCA. So what happens is you practice in the river swimming upstream. If you get a cramp, you don't make it. But the, those who survived became Olympic swimmers. That's <laughs> funny. So I don't know if they train that way anymore, but no, that is interesting. They, <laughs> but, but, you know, if you follow the news, I mean, China is going to, I think they realize that they made a mistake with a one-child policy. So they're trying to increase the population. And India is catching up with them. So India is a democracy, but India is now going to overtake China in population within five years or so. Wow. So they realize it's, you know, it's all about global economics. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, coming back to, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the real estate um, aspect of your practice. So uh, you opened the first ambulatory surgery center in Arizona. Yes. So what no, prompt? Well, spine. The first one was Wally Reed, okay. uh, who was an anesthesiologist, and he had his facility next to Good Samaritan Hospital where I did my internship, and everybody used it. So he was the first. 
I was one of I was one of the first the the first in spine, but probably the second in the country to have a solely owned ambulatory surgery center that had no partners. I did all by myself. And what prompted you to begin an ASC? That's because I became good friends with the administrator of St. Luke's Hospital and and the guy who was uh, running the clinical trials. And she was marketing me for about, oh, six, seven years and got me, you know, on TV shows and so forth. Then I, I said, how, how much are you making off of every surgery that I, that I operate on your hospital? She said around $10,000 per case. I said, hey, I do 40 a month. I, I can borrow and pay it off in less than a year. <laughs> so she helped all along the way. Somebody was there to help me. And so, did, did you build it completely from the ground up, like buy the land, build it, or did you buy I, a building and redevelop it? I bought a building and redevelop it. And I learned because I had a partner who was my partner and he, he wanted to run the show, but he had an LLC. That's the only asset of that LLC was the building that we bought together. So I, I went and I, I bought it and I paid him and bought him out. And so he, he left and I probably paid 60 cents on the dollar rather than 30, but that was the best move I ever made. So, and how did you decide on where to put to the ASC? Like okay. where, where, what was your thought process in picking a place? Some, some more luck. <laughs> my my <laughs> wife's cousin, his name is Clarence Tang, and he was one of the guys guiding Blue Cross Blue Shield. Bob Bola was the guy. And I said, hey, Clarence, where should I locate my surgery center? He says, Squaw Peak oh. facility, okay? Because you, you, they're going to have highways and they're going to go... You, you can access the East uh, Valley, the North Valley, Northwest Valley, and you're going to be right in the middle with Swapi. So I found this building that I bought from the bank, and then the bank went under on the real estate. So I bought it from the bank. Was this during the savings and loan? Yeah, it was a Sun State or something like that. Yeah. So I paid 1.3 million, but I ended up buying it for 600,000. At that time, they were getting 300,000, you know, 30 cents on the dollar if, since you're in the real estate. Right? Yeah. So I'm Chinese, like I said, I, I invest in land because you can never buy it. <laughs> but I waited 40 years until I was able to take advantage of it. Well, and DISC has, um, itself has several locations across the valley. So how did you decide on those? My my son decided because he brought in people for instance the the best spine surgeons in arizona asked to join us so we had one guy from core and uh, he was their best surgeon uh, we recruited justin field who was at cedar sinai and uh, he was the f- first partner the second partner was Anima Solari, who trained in Stanford. The third one was from Core, and the last one was a nut who's was the brother of Eileen, my son's first girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're all high-end Stanford, Harvard-trained uh, spine surgeons, and so as a group, we we probably have the highest-trained uh, specialty group, and each one they get along very well with each other. 
So did you pick locations next to where they wanted to be I, as you well, recruited them? When I, I, I bought the building, I owned the whole thing. So unless my son gets mad at me, he's going to end up owning, you know, what I have. I still have 32%. So I sell, you know, you know about EBITDA. So mm-hmm. I sell it at two times EBITDA, but I was offered eight times EBITDA. Nice. Well, uh, Dr. Young, we're going to go into uh, the Q&A, get to know you a little bit. Okay. And you, you've already answered the first one that your first job was in your uncle's shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think you would be doing anything else for a living other than being a physician? Uh, you know what? <laughs> when I was in high school, they tested my IQ. It was like, I don't know, 130 something. And they said, you could be a social worker or a pilot. <laughs> those two don't, don't make any sense. <laughs> I'm not a social worker, but maybe a pilot. <laughs> so Maybe a pilot. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like being a pilot, but I, I like being a spine surgeon better as long as I'm considered one of the best at what I do. And that's what I tell my kids. I don't care what you do, but be the best at it and do something that you like. So it's not like work. Right. Yeah. Otherwise it feels like jail. Yeah. But I have to give credit uh, to Dr. Jack Klein, who I was so impressed with how he was so nice to our family when we moved to, to Tucson. He was an ENT specialist and he advised his children not to get into medicine because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, too, I, it's not that rewarding. And one became a colorectal surgeon and the other is an orthopedic surgeon who's the grandson. <laughs> So we kept in touch. What <laughs> All who, has to do with luck. But yeah. What's very important is that coming to the United States, we had the freedom to get ahead just by working hard. You don't have to be the smartest, but you want to work the hardest and you want to enjoy what you had. So that, do, you, do you think if your family stayed in China and you grew up in China that you would have had the same opportunity? No. Because look, here's what happened. Eisenhower, who I supported in high school, he was the aide to Douglas MacArthur. And Douglas MacArthur told Truman, we have to help the nationalists because it's going to turn communist and you're going to have, you know, a tiger by the tail and you can't handle it. And Truman didn't answer. And, and they let communist China take over. So that's when my mother left in 1949, just ahead of the communist takeover. My father stayed behind because he, he, was, he was one of those uh, whiz kids, and he was the internal revenue director for Southern China after three years. And he, he was in the KMT, Koming Town. So then he came over. I grew up without my father. It was my mother that raised me. But he, but he was the one that told me to go into engineering, aeronautic engineering. And I said, oh, my friends are too boring, so I want to be a doctor. So like Dr. Jack Klein. So, you know, it's, it's uh, funny how things work out, but it's a lot of luck and hard work. And that's what rewards us here. Yeah. Taking advantage of luck and being able to d- understand if it is luck and too. Right. Yeah. What are, who are you reading or listening to right now for news information or inspiration? Uh, I listen to Fox and then I listened to CNN and MSNBC and CBS. And I said, these guys have no clue. So I think like people on, that's on Fox News, but 
I trying to balance it, okay? So, but uh, the British uh, BBC is pretty good, but yeah. all about tabloids and things like that. Yeah. So I like, and then I hear the Al Jazeera kind of puts it in perspective, but uh, I mostly listen to Fox and then I listen to the other channels, like mostly CNN and cable news. And then- Decide for yourself. <laughs> what? And then oh. decide for yourself. Right. But I'm very opinionated because I said, I'm the best at what I do. So I don't need to listen to anybody else. I'm going to tell those who want to listen what I do. And if they do, we're, we're okay. But it doesn't matter. So how many, I, how many surgeons have you trained? Probably uh, several hundred who actually have come to visit me. Yeah. But those who have taken my courses, back in 2000, I started training. Uh, surgeons on how to operate on people awake. And um, then I actually had my boss in orthopedics attend and I had all kinds of people against me. It's crazy because they, they don't know what I'm doing. And so what is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? I used to run cross country and, and I was, you know, on the state champion high school team. And then I started running intramurals in college and I continued running when I was uh, in college but it was a lonely sport because no spectators I, there were no girls watching me so but anyway I stayed in very good condition but now at my age I developed polyneuropathy from di complications of type 2 diabetes so while I know I'm supposed to exercise um, it's harder for me so I'm doing something that uh, I don't know if it's going to work, but this is uh, some uh, electro current technology from East Germany with a PhD and a uh, clinical scientist from East Germany. And I think it's working. So I'm going, to, I'm using it now. And I find that uh, what this does is use electrical current to stimulate the growth of blood vessels, mostly capillaries. And so it works in muscle, but you have to be careful. You don't want to put it by the heart to yeah. the heart or the brain. See? And so <laughs> I have to put it in a certain place. So I've been doing it for a week and a half. And so far I noticed an improvement because I, I get less winded and I, my legs are stronger and my balance is better. Oh, so I don't great. know. Jury's still out. Yeah. So do you think a person is born with a desire to heal um, or do they learn this through their medical training? I think they learn it by people in their lives that had an influence on them. Like for me, it was, I was really admiring this uh, ENT specialist who took in our family and never charged, he gave us hospital equipment. So from the very beginning, I decided I want to do what he did. It wasn't about making money, mm -hmm. but it turned out, but if you work hard, you're going to you're do well. But his kids and his grandkids, they, they are very conservative. And he actually, they told me that they advised them not to go into medicine. It's, it's not that rewarding because it's, you know, you got to jump through hoops, but they both, one, the, the son was a colorectal surgeon and the grandson is an orthopedic surgeon. Very nice. So it's all about opportunity. That's why 
I'm probably the biggest patriot that you can from communist country. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, speak to a lot of the value that, that the U.S. can bring. Right. And I owe it to Reagan because, you know, I was able to buy land and decom and uh, de uh, get tax credit for, you know, selling farmland. And, and if you had grazing land, you can rent a cow, put a fence around it, and you get grazing land until you get caught and then you have to give it up. <laughs> 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 well, Dr. Young, when do you think your, your book will be finished? It's due to be finished in March. I finished one volume, the cervical uh, volume, and the second volume is being edited. The third volume is not far behind. So, But I'm not as good at good technically, so I'm helping this friend of mine called Kai Lewandrowski, and he's in Tucson. So I helped him by a surgery center and he's doing the same thing. So he's doing pretty well. Very nice. Well, thank you, Dr. Young, for this wonderful interview. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I, you know, you make it very easy by asking <laughs> all the good questions. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.